Chapter 14 Then Her Battlefield Nina grabbed at the box of tissues as I welled up again, not knowing whether to tell me for the umpteen time that crying was for wounded dogs or to encourage me to let it all out. Her mantra usually being, survive now, cry later, always lingered in my head as though it was part of some invisible survival kit. For today, I would mark it as part of my own unspoken mantra and let it all out. In truth, Nina too was a very sensitive person, highly sensitive as described by the girls, but she would always resound these words as though it were a ritual fighting back tears herself. She'd rushed over when I'd called her without asking why or complaining. She had a flat in Bermondsey, which wasn't far from us, so meeting each other was never a trek. I tried to explain to her why I was so upset, but I I couldn't get the words out. I'd known that relaying the news of my pregnancy to KK wouldn't be easy, not to mention that it was ectopic, and with everything that he already knew and was dealing with, I knew it would come as another blow, especially since he'd been talking about us having a baby for so long. I'd bought myself a couple more weeks when I'd found out, before telling him of course, and it hadn't felt any easier. I'd expected him to be more sympathetic, especially about this. I'd only known for a couple of weeks, but it was enough to start to feel some sort of a bond with the being growing inside me. I felt sorry that it would never make it to this world. It was innocent after all, and had no part in this. Without him saying much, I knew that KK blamed me for this. His sympathetic eyes had grown into a disdainful stare and he didn't even know it. Perhaps I was asking or expecting too much of him, to be understanding when there was nothing to understand, or empathetic when he would never really know that I was dying inside. I'd lied when I told him I felt no pain. Annalise had given me some strong pain relief for if and when I started to feel anything, and she had warned that the cramps would be severe. I wasn't much for pain. Even the sight of blood was enough to topple me over. I was 34 years in the world and still could not bear even the common menstrual cramps. I hadn't been as compliant or even remotely familiar with the usual stuff that the girls all seemed to breeze through, and as fate would have it, the cramps had announced painfully their arrival, sending jolts of pain through my legs. I remembered that years ago, when my father had left us, my mother would send my brother and I to my aunt Jacqueline, Jackie for short, to spend weekends with her whilst she went to work as a bookkeeper to help with some of the bills. It became a routine and after a while we actually looked forward to going there. My aunt had no children of her own. Anyway, one day she and her husband were in an argument which could be heard quite loudly in the hallway. It was the first time I'd heard them argue and I remember thinking that he too might leave just like our dad. They fought about her being pregnant, but it turned out that she'd had an ectopic pregnancy. The next day, she was hunched over the kitchen counter with a glass of something I could only describe as one for the big girls. It was brown and definitely did not smell like tea. I asked if she was okay whilst looking down at her brown glass. She managed a little smile and told me without waiting for the question that it was cognac. To help with the pain, darling. I hope you never have to suffer this pain too. 
I hadn't known if she meant what was going on inside of her or what might have been a rejection from her husband. That night, my mother had come to collect us as my aunt was rushed to the hospital. I asked Nina to get the cognac restored in the drinks cabinet. She knew exactly where it was. Caleb wasn't much of a drinker, but occasionally would bring it out when Kwame or one of the other boys came around. She and I continued to chat for a while longer as we sipped on our drinks. Then she decided she had to leave, as she too had a function to go to. I suspected it was a date, but the girls and I had teased her so much about her last date that she decided not to tell us any more about them. I knew it wouldn't last long. Nina was definitely not one to be quiet about her adventures with men. As I closed the door behind her, I felt another jolt of pain in my abdomen. It was painful enough to stop me moving for a second, but it subsided, so I walked over to clear away the glasses. I wondered how Caleb was getting on at the exhibition. I'd been to a few with him in the past, but this was his debut showing. His baby was being unravelled for the first time, and I wasn't there. I began to feel guilty, but I was feeling something else too. Sweat beads suddenly formed on my forehead. Had I drank too much? I thought to myself. The nausea built up from the pit of my stomach, and I almost felt the wrenching begin straight away. I made my way to the bathroom, feeling bemused amongst everything. But I was determined not to let what I was feeling and experiencing get the better of me. As I hunched over the sink, memories of my aunt flooded back, and so did the sharp pain in my abdomen. I'd never felt anything like it. I'd never felt so helpless. I'd never had a baby growing in the wrong part of me before either. I wrenched and the pain worsened. Remnants of my last meal and the alcohol came pouring into the sink. I looked over at the toilet wondering how people could stick their heads in there, and before I could come up with a tangible reason, the next pile came out, leaving my legs wobbly. The pain in my lower half was beginning to feel unbearable. I felt all kinds of dizzy. Then suddenly, Nina's words flashed before me like some sort of a lifeline. Survive now, cry later. Survive now, cry later. Survive now, cry later. Somewhere in the platitude, I could hear my phone going. It stopped as I played my voice message in my head. Sorry I can't come to the phone right now. I'm busy being sick and I think I need a doctor, but leave a message and I'll call you back. It rang again, except this time it sounded different. It was a tune from Sex in the City. I remembered that Nina had that ringtone. She must have left it. Oh Lord, I couldn't even get to the phones. I felt another sharp pull and this time it took me to the ground and it wouldn't stop. Caleb, I muttered, but it was no good. He was probably in the middle of the presentation. Then I remembered I had Annalise's number on speed dial too. Number five, I thought. I just needed to get to the damn phone, which coincidentally was ringing again. I tried to shout, wait, but it was a waste of time. I crawled slowly and with each sharp pull, I groaned in agony, wishing it would stop. I got to the hallway, only a few more maneuvers, then I could call for help. Survive now, cry later. Survive now, cry later. Survive. The knock on the door interrupted my thoughts. Ekoba, it's me, I forgot my phone. I 
didn't know where the sudden strength appeared from. Now it was a godsend. I diverted my course and went towards the front door. I lay behind it, crying out as loud as I could manage. Help! After all, I was a wounded dog. 